You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC, and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Financial Clarity for Doctors. Rochelle Vanderzanden here with Corey Janoff. Hello. Hi. You know us as the financial advisors that talk about all sorts of different things on this podcast, and you may also have realized by now that we're parents because we probably bring up our kids once in a while, <laughs> maybe more than needed. Um, but today, we wanted to focus on the kids and specifically how much they cost. <laughs> So we're experiencing this a little bit. Like, I have a small daughter at home. Corey, you've got a couple of boys at home. Two young boys. Two young boys. So we're experiencing some of the front-end costs right now. But over their lives, we know they're going to cost us more money. So we wanted to get down to the nitty-gritty details of how much they're going to cost us until we can kick them out of the house and get rid of them. And they can support themselves at some point. (laughs) That's the dream. Exactly. So like anything else that we talk about and with our spending and our choosing of what we're going to spend our money on, there are needs and there are wants with our kids too. And so we're going to talk about how, you know, we need to feed them and we need to house them and things like that. But we can make other choices about where we're deciding to house them and if we're going to pay for college and just break it down and explain a little bit about what that looks like over the their lifetime. So... Corey, you want to talk about some of the numbers of just what it can cost in general? Yes. Um, it's a lot. A lot. I remember as we were talking offline before this that a few years ago I wrote a blog post, and maybe we'll repost it on our website here, um, you know, I, I, on this very topic. And it, I said, what does it cost to, to raise children? And I have a meme of Dr. Evil, you know, with $1 million. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not too far off. Mm-hmm. Um, every handful of years, I believe the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which is an interesting department to do this study, but that's who does it. They um, they update their cost of raising children study, and it goes from age zero to through age seventeen. So it cuts off at eighteen. So I guess if like you have a high schooler with a September birthday, you'll you know round up a little bit because you'll still have a few more months of them in the house. But basically for the the first 18 years of their life, what does it cost to raise a kid? And if you just Google this, it's pretty easy to find. The average number you'll see is about 233,000. Now that's in 2015 dollars. So maybe with inflation, it's closer to 250 now. But that's for the average household in America. And if you actually dive into the data in the actual report that they published. They also have data for above average households. So households earning over 107,000 per year. And uh, that's, you know, maybe closer to 120 now with inflation. But most doctors are probably going to earn over 120,000 per year if they're working full time, even if you're like in academics, research only, like heck, even if you're working part time, you'll probably earn more than that. So most of you are in that above average category. And for the above average household, the average amount they'll spend on raising one child is about $372,000 to get them to age 18. And that doesn't include college. 
Correct. This is, is just yeah, separate from college. Yeah, this is just till they turn 18. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll talk about some some additional possible costs here in a second as well. But yeah, maybe round up to 400,000 with inflation. So really, you know, if you have a couple kids, it's going to cost you about $800,000 just to get them through high school on average. Could be more, could be less, but pretty big number. And that's all in today dollars. So in reality, it'll cost more, but adjusted for inflation, you know, about 800 grand for two kids, 400 grand for one kid in today dollars. And we'll break down, you know, some of the different categories that you'll spend money on here in a minute. But yeah, like Rochelle said, doesn't include college, Mm -hmm. which we'll go into what that potential cost could look like. It doesn't include costs to have children. Mm -hmm. You know, some people can conceive naturally. Other people aren't as lucky. And, you know, whether you're looking at IVF, you're probably at what, 15, 20 grand a, a Ago, ago, whatever <laughs> the technical term is. Uh, if you're looking at adopting, a little bit more expensive surrogacy. You're looking at upwards of a hundred thousand. Um, so you know this also doesn't include cost of insurance on parents. So odds are you're getting life insurance if you have kids. Uh, disability as well. You probably don't need as much disability insurance if you don't have a family to support. So th- there's definitely some other uh, other costs that are included as a result of having kids that you may not incur if you didn't. And, you know, one of those, Rochelle, you, you were bringing up earlier about yeah. scaling back at work. Well, I think that's a thing that I think time in general is a limited resource. And when you have kids, there's a lot of time that you spend with them, doing things for them. And some of it is the time that you want to be spending with them. Like it's cuddling with them at night and all that good stuff. But there's also all of the extra time that you spend folding their teeny tiny clothes, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like all of the extra stuff. And your time is a valuable resource. And for a lot of physicians, if there's two parents, like we might have one parent that decides to work less. And that's another big cost that's not reflected in any of this data. Even if you go from 1.0, like full time, to 0.75, that's going to be a big decrease in income for your household. So if we start to take into account expenses like that, like that, that's a big drag on the budget. But at the same time, it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't make that choice. It's just something that we want to be aware of. Like that could be the best choice for your family and for you. Like that could be the most enjoyable thing that you can do with your money. Like you would gladly spend like a quarter of your income in order to be able to spend more time at home. Um, but just definitely something that we want to be considering as, as part of the cost, if that's a choice that, that you want to make for your family. Yeah, so there's lots of things that we can look at outside of these numbers that might be in a report that might be more significant for your family and for the, the way that you guys are going to live your lives. So, yeah, yeah, lots of things to get into today, but that's for sure. Yeah, often that's the case, especially for dual physician couples. We'll often see one of the spouses, at least during the mm-hmm. child-rearing years, scale down at work or even stop working completely and there's that opportunity cost of time versus income and we're not robots you know we can't Mm -hmm. like in a perfect robotic economic model we would just maximize our dollar and and work you know as much as our body would allow us to work but like what are we working for you know most people are working so that they can have a family and spend time with their kids and their spouse and their friends and that, that you know we're not just trying to make as much money as possible you know, how much do we really need at the end of the day to be happy? So, um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the point today is to go through some of the expenses and costs associated with having kids because we'll often have the question, you know, how much does it cost to have kids? Do I need to save up ahead of time? And you don't really need to save up ahead of time unless you're, you know, needing to 
conceive, um, you know, the less natural way, if you will, or mm -hmm. one of those alternative methods. Yeah, if you need some assistance mm -hmm. there. But beyond that, um, you know, young kids don't cost nearly as much as teenagers. Mm -hmm. Like when I remember, like when I have two brothers, and when we were kids, we, we would go through eight gallons of milk a week. Um, you know, the cost, I have friends who would eat two foot long subs for lunch growing up. Like it's <laughs> like the cost to feed a teenager is crazy. And then there's those ancillary costs, you know, like beyond you know, when kids are adults, I think 75% of, of people provide some financial assistance to adult children, whether that be, you know, giving them some money for, for their kids or, or, you know, paying for a cell phone bill, you know, paying for vacations to tag them along with. So I definitely talked to a lot of clients who are like, oh, I don't have a cell phone bill because my parents pay for it. Oh, I don't have auto insurance because my parents pay for it. You know who you are. Yes, it's okay. <laughs> Your kids are going to be those people someday. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, and ho hopefully it's not a giant expense, but some, for some parents it is a big expense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's also the collateral damage that kids have. So it's good to have an emergency reserve. Like if you just walk through my house, you'll, you'll see there's nicks on the wall and dents in the floor and Sharpie on the couch and... Uh, you know, they're in one of the bathrooms we're, we're, when we're trying to potty train our oldest son, he, he had to get up on the toilet himself. He wouldn't let us set him on the toilet and he would use the toilet paper holder to pull himself up and a toilet paper holder screwed into drywall is meant to hold a roll of toilet paper. It's not meant to support a 30 pound child. So now we have a hole in our wall where there used to be a toilet paper holder because that ripped out of the wall. So, you know, just looking back at my own childhood, um, you know, for anyone else who grew up in the 90s, you can probably relate to the, the Beanie Baby craze. And my, uh, my middle brother wanted, he had a big Beanie Baby collection and wanted to uh, protect his Beanie Baby collection from potential intruders, you know, because that's what robbers who would break into our house, the first thing they'd go for would be the Beanie Babies, logically, right? Um, so we wanted to build an electric fence around his Beanie Baby collection. <laughs> and so we found some, some wiring uh, I think that was for like hanging picture frames and we cut, you know, a big long wire, put it in a big loop, plugged one end into one hole of the electrical outlet. Now we weren't complete idiots. We were wearing ski gloves, knowing that there would be some electricity here that potentially could be damaging. <laughs> plugged the other end in to the other hole. And, you know, it's like that scene from Jurassic Park where the fence turns on and you just hear this buzz and a volt of electricity comes through. The whole wire turns bright orange, rips through the ski glove. So luckily we we're handy having those on. Otherwise, I wouldn't have fingers today. Um, and then we quickly realized this was a mistake and got some scissors and cut the wire. <laughs> and I think the, the maximum extent of the damage was some burn marks on the carpet. But, um, yeah, I don't know if insurance would have covered that if the house burned down. I don't know how far negligence extends if it Or extends. maybe it would have counted as arson. <laughs> yeah, if it extends to your children for being idiots. But, I mean, there's other, I mean, I could go on and on about stories uh, of stuff. Like, you know, another one where I'll just pick on my brother because I was the perfect child, of course. Uh, but he was, I think this was... Um, he was probably 14 or maybe 15, just got his learner's permit, never driven a car before. And we have one of our cars parked on the street adjacent to the driveway. And my mom wanted to pull the car into the driveway. And my brother was like, let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. So she's like, all right, you can pull the car into the driveway. What could go wrong? You're literally driving 20 feet and making a 90 degree turn into the driveway. Well, never having driven a car before he's never stepped on an accelerator and doesn't know how sensitive they are <laughs> so he gets behind the wheel hits the gas 
ends up jumping the curb, scraping the side of the car along a tree that's, you know, on the boulevard there of the sidewalk. <laughs> and then I guess I had the wherewithal to stop, but because <laughs> otherwise he could have gone. At least take his foot off the gas. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, but this is like, these are really minor things in the grand scheme of things. Like I was, we were pretty good kids and never gotten any serious trouble. Like I had friends, you know, who got in bigger trouble, like hearing stories from my dad whose friend had to, uh, you know, spend thirty to 50000 in legal fees to bail his kid out for a DUI, you know, and, and so they, it can add up. Um, mm-hmm. So not to scare any of you away, but just be prepared for some <laughs> unexpected, expect some unexpected expenses associated with having children. Yeah, those <laughs> emergency reserves will definitely come in handy when you have kids, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Yep, I think there are things that we know that we'll have to pay for if we have kids, though. Like, we have to feed them. We have to have a, a roof over their head and things like that. So when we look at the data that were um, that's advertised or that's put out there with the USDA, I think the biggest one that's recorded is housing. So they just assume that if there are three people in a household and the third is a child, that, like, 30% of the cost of that house are going to, to shelter that child. And I think that's kind of an interesting way to look at it because who knows, like if you didn't end up buying a bigger house and you would have had that house anyway, that's not really an increased cost. But most people, when they start to add kids to the household, do end up moving to a larger place that has more bedrooms. You have more space to spread out. You have space for your kids that's like their own space so they're not messing up your space. Like That's important as a parent. Um, And then the second one is food. Like, they eat a lot. Little kids don't eat quite as much as you'd expect. Like, that's not quite as big of an expense as, as you might expect it to be. But like Corey said, teenage boys absolutely do. Like they, they eat a lot of food. It just the cost to, to feed a male teenager is very <laughs> high. So if you, you have a little boy at home, just know that's going to that's gonna be a lot. And I think the biggest cost for working parents is child care for young kids. Absolutely. Like we have you know, a single parent household and you're working, that's going to be a big cost. If we have two parents that are working, that's a big cost. Like daycare and preschool, depending where you live, like you can make a lot of different choices about the kind of care that you want your kids to be a part of. But depending on what you do, I mean, it can be anything from $1,000 a month to three or $4,000 a month easily. Um, and then, you know, if you decide to put them in private school, that's maybe a want, not a need. But at that point, then you're extending that early childhood care, and then it becomes an additional cost beyond that, and that can be even more expensive than child care. So it's all about, like, how we're making our choices. Like, do we want the bigger house? Do we need a bigger car? Because we have a child at home now. Maybe we want a safer car that costs a little bit more. Like, that's a big thing for parents, too, sometimes. So it's definitely, you know, something where you have to – to make choices that are the best for your family and, and just understand what the cost is going to be. But can you think of any other like necessities? I think the transportation one is, is worth noting, you know, the bigger car yeah. naturally, you know, you're mm-hmm. not going to be driving the, the two door coupe. If you have a family of four, you're probably right. getting a larger SUV or minivan, mm-hmm. which is going to come at potentially a, mo- a higher cost depending on what you're, you like to drive. But, um, but also, you know, you're, you're, potentially moving further away from your place of work into the suburbs to mm-hmm. have the bigger house for your kids and you're going to have a larger gas expenses driving to and from work also when yeah. your kids get older you're driving them all around to activities soccer tournaments volleyball tournaments so more time 
Yeah, more time, exactly, <laughs> and uh, and more costs associated with getting to and from those uh, locations. So there, there's definitely an added cost there for that transportation piece. Um, you know, we talked about food, clothing. The housing part's a big one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, it, I guess it kind of varies by the individual. Like, you know, for my wife and I, for example, if we didn't plan on having kids, we'd probably still be living in our condo that, you know, we had before that I bought before we got married, we wouldn't have moved into a four bedroom house that was about three times as expensive as the condo. But there's also other people, depending on the city you're in, maybe you're living in an expensive high rise downtown that's maybe even more expensive than the house in the suburbs. So, it, it, you know, everyone's circumstances are a little different. But, uh, but yeah, generally speaking, most people are going to, as they expand the family or plan to expand the family, get a larger home to create that space. And it also might come with uh, a neighborhood that has higher property taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be in a better school district. Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking that was a big thing, too. It's not necessarily even the size of the house. I'll, I'll, that's obviously a big thing, too. But if we're looking for a house in another neighborhood where the, you have the good school district, then, like, that comes with a higher price as far as the house itself is concerned and probably with higher property taxes. So there's lots of little costs that that end up coming up there. Like even if you're not doing private school, you might be paying more for your public school in other ways yeah. too. Well, and the, uh, beyond just the property taxes, home values, like mm-hmm. looking right here, you know, we can't on the podcast, you can't tell, but on the video cameras, if we turn the cameras, I'm looking right down the Willamette river on the right side of the Willamette river. There's a nice upscale community. Mm-hmm. Waterfront properties would go for about twice as much as the properties on the left side of the river, yeah. a, abso- directly across from it. I won't name the specific cities, not to pick on anyone from those towns, but you know, literally same house, same property, same waterfront location, twice the difference, you know, in price, um, just due to the community, the school districts, etc. Mm-hmm. So there is that ad- additional cost um, of of location. Location, 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 right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which probably matters to people either way. But oh, yeah. Definitely school districts become a big thing. But, I mean, uh, you know, if you don't have kids, that may not be as big on the priority list, mm-hmm. you know? Like, literally, same yeah. distance to our office. If all you have to do is commute to work, you know, you might opt for the nice waterfront property on the left side of the river mm-hmm. as opposed to the one on the right side of the river that's twice as expensive. Yeah. So, I do think there's a lot of little things that people think cost more than they do. So, you know, with babies, like, like, oh, my gosh, diapers and clothing and stuff like that. Little people's clothes doesn't really cost that much, depending on what you're buying. Diapers are not really that bad. (laughs) You know, it's just you can choose to spend a lot of money on on certain things. But those costs are going to be very much secondary to the big things like the housing and childcare and stuff like that. Um, But I think that's probably a good segue into the wants and like, you know, what you can choose to spend your money on. I just said that clothing for little kids isn't expensive, but you can definitely find expensive clothing for small children. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you want to spend a lot on that kind of stuff, you can. Like, you, you can find it. But it doesn't have to be expensive, so those are choices that you can make if you want to try to, to cut down on costs a little bit. Um, and then, I mean, I think the daycare versus nanny thing comes up a lot with our clients. And sometimes, you know, it makes sense and it might even be more cost efficient to have someone in your household caring for children, especially if you have quite a few children, you know, like that, that cost, if you're in a daycare or a preschool situation, 
there's not a huge discount when you have multiple children. Like, you might get a small discount for that. But then, obviously, like, having a nanny in your home or, or someone like that can be more cost-efficient when you have multiple children so you don't have lots of kids in child care at the same time. Yeah, if you're spending, let's just say, I mean, it var- really varies by location, the Absolutely. city, the setting. But let's just say your daycare is full-time daycare is $2,000 per child and you have three children, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of money, you know, 72000 a year after taxes, whereas maybe you could, instead of spending 6000 a month, you just get a full-time nanny for 5000 a month, um, you know, so you're saving on costs, but, th- but those costs are real and that's a big one. So I think yeah. for, for people planning on having children, that will need childcare. That's probably the biggest thing to plan around. I mean, the housing piece, yeah, sure, transportation, et cetera. But but I think the the biggest additional expense that we really need to budget around is that additional childcare cost. Right, and it's not something that you can save up for ahead of time. It's something you have to be able to pay for out of cash flow for several years, and sometimes that means that your student loans and your retirement savings, you know, they take a back burner sometimes when you have young kids at home. And then, you know, if they start going to public school at that point, maybe you have a little bit of, dif- of additional cash flow and you can start to play catch up on some of those other things. But just understand, like, that's going to be something you have every month. You can't plan ahead to, like, pay for yeah. it ahead of time. It just doesn't work when you have five years of child care to pay for. And while we're talking about this right now, we do understand, like, this episode is probably coming out in September of 2020. We kind of wanted to time it with a back-to-school yeah. theme. And we realize this is a, a, a unique year you know there's some people who uh you know their kids are having to do virtual learning at home so maybe that additional child care cost is real or the scaling back at home like one spouse might be forced to stop working just due to the unique circumstances we're in so we're we're talking more generally in a in a normal environment but right now things are a little different and and maybe in financially speaking maybe for some people in a positive way for other people in a, a drastically negative way. You know, if we're not able to travel, we're not, you know, doing team sports this fall, we're not, <laughs> you know, maybe we aren't paying for the daycare because the daycare is closed and our kids at home and we have a stay at home parent that can watch them. I, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I guess maybe throw that disclaimer. Yeah, out absolutely. There. <laughs> Agreed. I wasn't honestly thinking about it right this second, which is funny because I'm thinking about it every other second of every other day. But right. <laughs> but yeah, like I think there's a lot of increased childcare costs for people who want to have someone in their home right now because mm-hmm. that feels safer than having them in a public school or having them, you know, in a in a preschool or daycare type facility. Yeah. So there's yeah, this year is a it's a one-off <laughs> crazy thing, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe it extends into next year. Yeah. There's a good chance. Yeah, yeah. At least part of next year. Yeah, this academic year should be a little crazy, though, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I mean, totally different topic for another day, but, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how this fall plays out because it's definitely going to impact a lot of families um, in a number of different ways, you know, depending on where you live and what your, the school situation's like. Like, there's some folks that are going to be in a really tough spot because of, you know, if schools are – clothes and they're doing work learning from home like mm-hmm. if you're a single parent what, like what do you do there if you can't afford child care so there's definitely some um yeah some uh, some challenges that some people are going to be faced with absolutely and I think that plays into the whole public versus private school thing too because I feel like a lot of those institutions are are reacting differently to this. Mm-hmm. So when we have public school, obviously you don't have to pay for as much out of pocket, but that doesn't mean, you know, there's going to be fundraisers, there's going to be 
extracurriculars, all sorts of things mm-hmm. that you're still going to have to pay for out of pocket. So there's definitely still a lot of expenses there. Those science fair projects. Science fair projects, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe tutoring, you know, like yeah. you might have a, a child in public school, but still pay a little bit for them to have some additional help and make sure that like they're on the track that you want them to be on. Those SAT prep courses aren't cheap. Absolutely. Yeah. And then with private schools, like obviously the tuition can vary greatly depending on, on where they're going and you know, what the situation is there. But I think that, you know, when you're paying for schooling, a lot of times that's, they're a lot more adaptable. It seems like the private schools are, are doing a lot this academic year that maybe public schools aren't going to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an interesting, you know, wrench in the works too. Yeah. But there's also just the little things I think that come up as additional costs for kids and it can be anything from, you know, what do they get for Christmas to what kind of trips are you guys taking as a family? And there's lots of choices that we can make and about, how much we need to spend on things and expectations that we can set for kids when they're really little. Like if we have 20 presents under the tree when they're two, that's how they expect it to be forever <laughs> on Christmas. <laughs> but if they're used to simple things, then, then that's what they're going to expect. And yeah. that keeping up with the Joneses thing we've yeah. referred to before is definitely prevalent with your little children and their puppy dog eyes that they come asking you for you know, whatever the, the cool new gadget is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what kids are into these days. Like when I was a kid, it was a Game Boy and a PlayStation that I really wanted. You know, it's probably something similar today. Um, but, you know, if you know your, your kid's best friend gets a new iPhone, now your kid wants an iPhone. And do we spend that money and buy him an iPhone or, or not? Or, you know, birthday parties too. Like, oh, Jimmy had a bounce house and a magician at his birthday party. I want to do that for my birthday. And then spring break and summer break, you know, so-and-so is going to Hawaii for spring break. Can we go to Hawaii for spring break? Obviously the most expensive time of year to fly anywhere. Um, So, you know, there's going to be, you know, that tug of war battle of, and we're not saying just abstain from everything. You know, that's, Mm -mm. that's a miserable life, but we got to try and, be careful of, of making sure that we can afford to spend money on, on those wants, um, you know, while still achieving our other goals. If we can, great. Yeah. If we're on track to being able to retire when we want to, we're setting enough aside for college, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and, and all of our other goals are on track, you know, and, and we can afford to go to Hawaii for spring break and go to Aspen for winter break and, you know, have the bounce house and the magician and the iPhone and then great more power to you but not everyone earns enough income to be able to do all of those things with the lifestyle that they're trying to live so we need to figure out what's important what do we want to sacrifice and what are we okay spending money on and I think the question that's really important to ask yourself is what makes me happy what makes my family happy like that's that's the thing that we can prioritize but we want to make sure that we're taking into consideration our future happiness too mm-hmm. <laughs> and not exclusively focusing on the present. Um, and that, that applies to your kids too. Like they want you to save for retirement. They might not know it now, but they will certainly know when they're 30 and you're prepared or not for retirement. They don't want to support you. <laughs> or 40 or 50. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and then I think college savings is a big one too because that's also like a delayed gratification kind of thing. So I think it's important as a family to kind of figure out what you want to do for them and then kind of reverse solve around, okay, like are we able to do that? And if not, can we do it in a reduced capacity? Like, what does that look like? And a lot of times, if we're proactive about saving for college, that gives you a much better opportunity to be able to do it a little more easily. Because if we're trying to pay for it as it happens, like tuition increases more quickly than inflation, like college on average increases by about 5% per year, but inflation is about 3% per year. So like the cost of college is increasing very rapidly. Um, so if you're able to do a bit on the front end to help your kids in that respect, I think that that can be really, really useful. And the college savings piece, that one is really up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, how important is paying for your kid's college? Yeah. You know, for some parents, that's top priority. They want to make sure their, their kid can go anywhere they want to go and doesn't have debt um, when they graduate. Other parents of the mindset, no, my kids should work for it. They shouldn't just go to the, you know, elite private school that costs a lot of money, yeah. you know, because they can. Like, they, there should be, um, you know, if they want to do that, they need to work for it or get scholarships. And one thing I would, um, you know, say that none of you should plan around financial aid. If you're a, a doctor listening to this, there, it's, it's not going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be eligible for any financial aid. So don't plan around it. Uh, maybe one of you might luck out and get some needs-based scholarship money, but it's highly unlikely. Um, the only scholarships your kids will be eligible for are merit-based or athletic. So still encourage them to study hard and you know dribble the basketball or soccer ball or whatever sport um, they're they're showing proficiencies in. And uh, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't plan around getting financial aid. So it's either you know figure out what level of college we want to pay for. And we want to plan on saving up for that ahead of time. Probably smart if you want to pay for some of it. You know, right now, the average cost for in-state public school, total cost to attend college. So tuition, housing, meal plan, book supplies, the whole nine yards. You're looking at around 30000 a year. Some places are more expensive than others. A lot of that has to do with location and housing costs. You know, if you're going to the school in Los Angeles, the apartment is going to be more expensive than if mm-hmm. you're going to school in Pullman, Washington. You know, to use some of our, our West Coast uh, Pac-12 locations. Um, private schools, if you're going to send your kid to an elite private schools, the Harvards, Dukes, Stanfords, Princetons of the world, you're looking at, you know, upwards of 70000 a year, maybe 75000 a year or higher in some cases. Um, you know, so extrapolate that over, you know, four years, hopefully only four years <laughs> for, for your kids. And it, it adds up to be a, a pretty expensive tally, especially when you factor in that inflation for the future. So, you know, the if it costs 120000 for in-state public school now, that cost is probably going to double, you know, 15, 20 years from now. And then same with the private school figures. If it's, you know, two fifty to 300000 for four years now, it's, you know, you're probably looking at five or 600000 in uh, 15 to 20 years. And that's just undergrad. Yeah. You know, think about what you guys did. Well, most of you <laughs> have some sort of, you know, doctorate or something like that. And that's obviously a lot of additional schooling and a lot of additional tuition and living expenses. Med school is more expensive than undergrad in most cases. Absolutely. And there's less 
you know, scholarships and things like that also. And who knows, like, this might change somewhat over the next 20 years, but we don't know. Like, we can only plan for what we do know. And what we do know is that the cost increases each year. It's getting more expensive. And your kids are probably going to want to go to school. Most children usually, like, follow their parents as far as that goes. Like, if you have an advanced degree, they're probably going to get an advanced degree. And that's not necessarily a guarantee, but it's very likely. So if you want to be able to support them through school, I think, you know, getting a jump start on savings is a good idea. I think that's probably the biggest thing is just what are your goals? What's important to you when it comes to college? Do we want to pay for it? Yes, no. If so, how much do Mm -hmm. we want to pay? 50%, 100%, you know, undergrad and grad school? Do we want to just pay for, you know, in-state public school, any school in the country? You know, what do we want to just come up with a set dollar amount? We're going to give our kids $100,000 for education and that's you know, they can make the best of it. So like, there's no right or wrong answer, but figuring out what your objective is, and then that makes it a lot easier to plan for that because if we don't have a plan in place, it's going to be tough to actually make that happen when the time comes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even if it's just like, I know that I can put $500 towards college savings comfortably per month. Sure, that's what we do. Even if it doesn't necessarily equate to a specific number of years of school, but it's just what fits in the budget and you're accomplishing your other goals and there we go. Um, And I think, you know, it all just comes down to like the same question over and over again, like what are we prioritizing? And if we want to help kids go through school, but we don't care so much if they have an iPad or an iPhone, then maybe we put their iPad and iPhone money into the college savings account and be like, you're welcome. (laughs) You know, like there's, there's lots of choices you could make. Write it in a birthday card. And I think one other thing about college savings is that that's something that the family can get involved in too. Like definitely reach out to family members, especially when you have family members that are spread out. Like it's not that easy to shop for family members that live far away and ship them presents. I guess it's a lot easier now than it used to be. But still, like if they want to do something that's easy and will hopefully be appreciated at some point, you can you know, make a list of all the people that contributed to their college education over the years. And, you know, they can include little notes for when they go off to school or something like that. Like there's a, a lot of things that you can do to make it more personal and, and more special as a gift. Yeah. Sure. yeah, a lot of college savings plans allow you to create a link to send out to family members and they mm-hmm. can just deposit directly into the kid's account. Um, or, you know, you can send a check in, whatever. So yeah. there's a lot of ways to contribute there if, uh, if they want to help. support your children's future educational endeavors so we know kids are expensive (laughs) yes but you know it it varies (laughs) by child and by family and we do have more control than maybe we think we do but you know if you're planning to have kids prepare to pay some hefty child care and preschool bills prepare for some unexpected things (laughs) (laughs) hopefully no one tries to make an electric fence inside your house (laughs) correct but yeah we'll definitely prepare for the the unexpected and and hopefully everything will be just fine yeah and this uh, you know i know we talked about how expensive kids are hopefully this isn't a deterrent to anyone not intended to be yeah this is just to try and bring awareness here's kind of what the costs are what you can expect to to be budgeting around so that you can plan accordingly you know we need children we need to procreate if we want to have a species continue like we need to keep funding our workforce so that we can retire one day and still Mm -hmm. have an economy to live in and, and receive a social security check it requires money to keep 
flowing into the system. So, you know, it's it's almost our duty to reproduce <laughs> <laughs> so that we can still exist on this planet. So it's definitely not a, a bad thing at all, but just, you know, there, there's absolutely some costs associated with it. And a lot, some of those costs, you, know, you have some control over, uh, often a lot of control over, you know. So the, the, we talked about at the beginning, the median numbers, you know, the, the average household in America will spend about 250000 raising a kid through high school, whereas, you know, you guys will probably spend upwards of 400000 as higher income earners. That's a choice. It's not because, you know, mm-hmm. they tack on an additional price tag if your income's above a certain threshold. No, that's just choosing to spend more you know, for more opportunities for your kids, more amenities for your kids. So there's there's definitely ways to to keep costs within reason in certain scenarios. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions, any other ideas for topics or anything like that, feel free to, to email us or, you know, send us a message on social. And thanks for listening. Have a good one. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP, Instagram at Corey Janoff, or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on Instagram, Vanderzanen and Rochelle, or on LinkedIn under my name, Rochelle Vanderzanen. Check out all of the podcast episodes on the affinitygroup.com slash podcast on our Finity Group YouTube channel or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to check out our Financial Clarity blog at affinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Finity Group, LLC.